Welcome to the Nutrition-ish Podcast, real food, mindset, and everything in between. I'm Allie Hobson, a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic mama, and clean beauty advocate. I work as a clinical nutritionist for two healthcare clinics here in San Diego and run my own business virtually as an NTP supporting women with their health hormones and body balance from a root cause approach. I specialize in gut healing, autoimmune conditions, thyroid, preconception, and pregnancy wellness by rebalancing the body with the nutrients it needs and the mindset it deserves. I'm Chelsea Gross, a certified nutrition and mindset coach. I support women worldwide via virtual coaching and creating a healthy relationship with food in their bodies. I specialize in freedom from dieting and restriction, disordered eating, binge eating, obsession and perfectionism, plus body image, confidence, and self-love. Remember our disclaimer. This podcast is intended to be informative and entertaining and should not replace medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. We're so excited you're here. Let's get to the episode. You're listening to episode 95 of the Nutrition-ish podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited because I have one of my new favorite people on the show today, Michelle Shapiro. And we met over Instagram and we kind of fell for each other. Friendship fell for each other because we we have such a similar approach to health, to wellness, We both believe in bridging the gap between functional nutrition and functional health and weight inclusivity and body positivity and creating a healthy relationship with food in your body. And what we've both found is that there's a lot of messaging and content out there that speaks to one side or the other, very much the health at every size intuitive eating movement and also more of the nutritional therapy approach and the functional medicine approach. And we just really feel very passionate about helping you guys understand that you can use both methods and approaches from both of those things and come together and create what we call the gray zone. So I'm going to introduce you to Michelle. Michelle Shapiro is an integrative functional registered dietitian in NYC, specializing in body neutral weight changes and the holistic healing of stomach issues and anxiety. It is her joy and passion to serve her clients in living fulfilling lives in all aspects. Any condition that Michelle works with is something that she has proudly battled herself. After a weight loss of 90 pounds as a teen, Michelle thought all of her problems would be solved. But what came as a result from rapid weight loss and disordered eating was chronic illness and a lot of body judgment. It took years of research, growth, and self-worth for her to proudly say she is in a healthy body that she now loves. She wants to bring the lessons she learned both academically and personally to all of her clients. And more than that, she aims to provide a safe space to share for each and every one of them. Her goal is to hear each person who feels like they haven't been heard before. Listening is her real passion. It is now her life's mission to prevent her clients from making the same mistakes she did. She works to give her clients tangible tools to reverse anxiety and digestive issues while ditching restriction and negative thoughts about food in their bodies and finally learn to eat more authentically and intentionally. She works with clients one-on-one in her private practice, both in person and virtually, as well as in her eight-week online program, Quiet the Diet. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Chelsea. I'm so freaking excited to be here. Me too. We've already talked for 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we have to like forcibly stop ourselves from talking because we could have gone literally all day. Yep. And we talked, I think a week or two ago, we, we cannot remember 
if which it was, but I think it was we, two years ago. Actually, <laughs> yeah, we talked for like two hours, like prepping for this show. But really, it was just like girl talk and tangents. And so we're gonna do our best to stay focused. But we just both really feel this is such an important conversation to be had. And Michelle approached me about talking about this, and I was like, um, yes, absolutely. And um, I'm just really excited to get into it. So before we do, can you just share a little bit more about your journey? You have gone through so much. I'd love to hear too more about like the weight loss journey and everything you learned from that. And then kind of what brought you into this space where you really are seeing both sides of functional health and body positivity. Yes. And I just want to say to everyone of the listeners of this podcast that Chelsea said I approached her, which is absolutely true because I'm like a major <laughs> Chelsea fangirl. And I was literally like, do you think she would maybe have me on her podcast? Um, so I was really freaking excited for this. Um, and I've done a lot of podcast interviews, but I have to tell you, this is a, one that's very important to me, um, especially, and I'm so happy to be sitting down with you. So I just have to say that. Oh, love that. Yes. So my story is kind of different than other people's and I'll take you through my weight loss journey, which is something that I don't usually talk as much about um, because it's not the part of my journey that I'm the proudest of. Um, and then kind of how I came to be so into Eastern functional integrative nutrition um, and how I was able to bridge the two worlds. So I grew up in Queens, New York. Um, I, you know, NYC, um, I'm a native New Yorker and where I grew up, I, I was always in a larger body. And by the time I was in sixth grade, I was 250 pounds. Um, I was class clown in my high school. I had a million friends. I kind of had this like very ideal life in many ways. And because I grew up in a really diverse place, you kind of were allowed to be different than other people. I think if I grew up in the suburbs, I might've been, had, you know, experienced bullying or something like that. For me, like my weight was kind of just this thing that I was like, you know what? I'm like class clown in my high school. I have like a million friends. I have amazing grades. I have a great life overall. I didn't feel so much like I was missing out on anything. And then I was going away to college. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to the University of Delaware. These people might be different than the people I grew up with. They might not accept me for my larger body. They might judge me. I might get bullied for the first time in my life. Like this is, you know, I, and it really scared me. So that actually resulted in me rapidly. And this is a big trigger warning because I could not recommend this any less, but I lost 90 pounds in, in about three months. So I, I just decided to kind of stop eating. Um, before I had embarked on that weight loss journey, I actually was healthy in, in every way. Um, or I felt healthy in, in many ways. After I lost the weight, I had anxiety. I had a thyroid issue. I had gut issues. I had brain fog and such severe panic disorder that I could barely leave my house, which was really coming from a lot of nutrient deficiencies and all of these, all of these things I didn't know. Um, so I basically turned that weight loss journey into kind of the first, what I would call it the first leg um, of my journey, which again, is not what I'm most proud of. What I'm most proud of is the healing that took place after that really helped happened in a naturopathic physician's office, Dr. Kochko, and then really just learning anything I possibly could about integrative nutrition. Um, because I realized that you know, losing the weight itself wasn't making me feel better physically. It wasn't really making me feel better emotionally, but I will tell you societally, it made a huge difference. I don't know if I would have the friends or boyfriends or anything like that I had in college. Um, so that mismatch of getting that high level of validation from people, people were treating me completely different than they had um, when I occupied a larger body the rest of my life. 
Um, even though people treated me well, um, they treated me even better um, when I lost weight, especially new people. So kind of balancing like that and then balancing my healing journey and seeing that you can kind of learn maybe to love yourself during the journey so that you don't have to claw your health back for like five years after. That's really what brought me to working with clients is I want them to not do what I did. I want them to do better. And I really found a way to incorporate kind of that functional healing I experienced after while still tremendous amounts of self-respect and love during the journey. Um, and I, and I do actually believe in, I know we're going to talk a lot about this, Chelsea, but I do believe that you can lose weight in a way that is mentally supportive and not damaging to yourself. So kind of bridging my own story and, and taking in, Oh, I have these gut issues. I want to learn everything about gut issues. I had a thyroid issue. I want to learn everything about that and, and really help people with full body healing. Mm-hmm. Your story is so important. And I think having someone that had such a huge weight loss journey, like it's important for us to know what was going on behind closed doors and the aftermath and how it did create chronic health issues and a really extreme level of disordered eating. I think we miss that piece of the puzzle when someone posts, for example, a transformation picture and you simply just see the weight and the aesthetic change and you don't acknowledge that someone who had something that's so congratulatory in society and so celebrated could be detrimental to their lifestyle, to their quality of life, to their health. Like when I'm working with a client who like has had the weight loss or had the perfect body or, you know, done all the right things in the past and feels like they want to get back to that place. I always ask them, but wait, were you actually happy? Like what was the quality of your life? And so often they're like, no, I was miserable. I wasn't sleeping. I had gut issues. I was constantly bloated. I was so obsessed and consumed with food and exercise. And I weighed myself five times a day. It's like, we need to acknowledge that it's not black and white. It's not being in a larger body is bad. Being in a smaller body is good. And that's the only answer. It's there's so much more to it. And so, like you said, you can still be in a body that is like you can still have goals, you can still work towards something if that's truly what you feel is your destiny, but it has to be done in a way that's going to still give you back that quality of life that you can feel proud of, that you can feel is sustainable and that you can maintain in a sane manner. Like it has to be, it has to be both and it, it often isn't for people. It's often one or the other. Absolutely. And I think exactly what you just said, I'm going to take it even a step further. You said you know, being in a larger body isn't necessarily bad and being in a smaller body isn't necessarily good. Weight loss itself isn't necessarily bad or good either. It's the intention behind the weight loss and the way that you lose weight that makes the difference. So if you're losing weight out of a way of self-torture because you can't stand to be in your own skin, you're probably going to, you know, have some deleterious health effects as a result. So the intention behind the weight loss is what you and I focus on the neutrality of. It's not the weight loss itself. So there are of course, you know, schools of thought where they say that in general, effortfully trying to lose weight in any capacity is is more damaging to your health health than helpful. That's not really the reality I live under, where I do believe that people can truly, to the depths of their core, love themselves or appreciate themselves, you know, way down the line. It's not something that you need to do immediately. And at the same time, make conscious food decisions that support overall health that might, you know, lead to weight loss as a, as a, as a happy side effect. But I don't believe that the weight loss is a negative thing in and of itself, which is an argument that we see 
kind of between these two worlds that we're talking about, which is this kind of, you know, functional nutrition world or even the regular dietitian world and kind of the haze, i.e. eating disorder dietitian world. Um, there's, a, there's a mismatch there. Mm-hmm. And what we were talking about a little bit before we jumped on and started recording is that it's uncomfortable for people or it's difficult for people to wrap their minds around existing in between both worlds. And because all we've ever known, especially anyone who's come from a place of dieting and restriction and following rules or following a protocol, all they know is like good or bad, on or off, black or white. And so there's this disconnect. I see this sometimes in my community, like on Instagram and stuff like that, that they can't fully wrap their mind around what it would look like to bridge the gap, what it would look like to still, um, you know, eat healthy and eat nutrient dense food and take care of themselves. Um, and also respect their body and be body positive and be weight neutral or however you want to say it. They can't quite wrap their minds around what it would look like to do both. It's easier for people. And it's also easier. We found for even other people on Instagram, other practitioners are on Instagram or you know, blogs or whatever, cookbooks, yeah. whatever, to share one side because people can wrap their minds around that a little bit better. So do you, do you agree with that, that it's hard for people to kind of speak to the message that we're speaking to because people can't understand like how to do not just one or the other? 100%. And I'm going to be even more harsh. And, you know, I'm very contradictory with, you know, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm a confronting person um, because I want people and practitioners to be their absolute top-notch best selves. And I want people to be held, especially registered dietitians, nutrition professionals, I want us to be held to the highest possible ethical standard. And I think the issue is, oh, I don't know if you, know, you as a listener are familiar, but there's, not you, Chelsea, whoever's listening to this, but um, there's kind of this idea of like all foods fit in a lot of um, IE haze circles. Now, again, each practitioner is going to be different. And there's a lot about intuitive eating that I think is dead on 90% of it, let's say. Um, I think that the missing link and what that gray area is, and that's missing is that a lot of these eating disorder professionals are trained not as functional nutritionists. They're trained as registered dietitians. So what's the difference? Can we talk really quickly about what the difference is between that and why that's so important? So let's say you went to a registered dietitian who is not a functionally integrative trained registered dietitian or nutrition professional um, like Chelsea, if they were kind of trained in, in the classic way as a registered dietitian, basically you would go and let's say you wanted something like you had some sort of gut issue and maybe they would say you should try a low FODMAP diet. Now the goal of the low FODMAP diet would be to minimize symptoms of the gut issue you're having. Now, if you went to a functional dietitian, we would do very comprehensive tests to understand what the gut issue is. We might give you a low FODMAP diet to minimize the symptoms in the short term. And then we would give you something extremely pres prescriptive in ways of a supplement plan, a lifestyle plan to heal your gut lining in the meantime. So the difference is you're either not kind of irritating symptoms versus you're healing the issue. So I can understand why someone who is an eating disorder professional who's not trained as a functional dietitian actually doesn't believe that gut healing exists in the first place. It's not what we're taught in school as registered dietitians. We don't actually believe in that. We're trained in the model of if you have something like Crohn's disease, okay, you give a low fiber diet so that they don't end up in the freaking hospital when they eat too much fiber. That's really kind of the nutrition care manual approach is how do you avoid symptoms versus heal the whole body. Now, I've had clients come to me who are literally 
throwing up several times a day from such gut issues. They've gone to every doctor. The doctors are looking at their gut. It looks perfect. There's nothing wrong with you. It's all in your head. Figure it out. Take depression medication for that IBS, you know, and Chelsea's smiling because I know she's been through it too. You know, whatever <laughs> it is. Um, and, and basically, I've seen these people go from that after having been to a million doctors, been to a bunch of conventional dietitians and gotten nowhere with their healing and then come to me. And by the end of whatever, you know, our time is, you know, working together, they're literally returned to a complete normal state of gut, no throwing up, stomach completely healthy, not even noticing their digestion where I would ask a question like, how have you been feeling? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you, you told me you were throwing up five times a day before. What do you mean? So I think that the missing link and for people who say like all foods fit, you know, all diets are bad. I don't think they've seen the power of therapeutic diets and the power of what nutrition can do to literally heal your brain, your gut, your body from the inside out. I've watched people who've suffered with anxiety and depression for years literally resolve their anxiety and depression because of food choices they're making. If I can help someone to heal, and I'm not claiming to be a magician, a witch, a therapist, anything like that, but it's very tangibly noticeable when they're reporting how they're feeling, of course, and, and their anxiety and depression are reduced from the foods they're eating. To dismiss that science altogether and that client experience to me is unethical. That's how, really how I feel, and I know that's a really strong stance. And I also understand in the treatment of eating disorders why therapeutic diets can be really challenging. But if you're a person who's saying all foods fit, no food has more nutrient value than others, no food can help you with your immune system, it's just factually untrue. I mean, scientifically, it's just untrue. We have loads of great science to show us the power of food as medicine and food as, as a healing agent. So I think that I can't dismiss the power of food by saying all foods fit. Um, I, I need that both kind of worlds to tie in. And I think when people say that they haven't seen the power of healing, that's really how I feel. Mm -hmm. And the other issue then is on the other, the flip side, which is that someone may go then to a functional medicine practitioner. You know, we're not even speaking now to conventional medicine or Western medicine practitioners. We're speaking even to the functional health world or a naturopath. They may go with gut issues, thyroid issues, autoimmune issues, and they may be given a list of how to take a therapeutic approach with nutrition to heal or, you know, in addition to supplements and, and things like that as well, to really take that multifaceted approach to heal, targeting the root of the gut issues while also targeting symptoms um, and lessening inflammation and all of those things. But then they also don't acknowledge that that can sometimes trigger people to feel restricted, can trigger disordered eating, can even trigger eating disorders. And this is something that I feel really passionate about because I don't feel like not enough people are talking about it. And I think, again, it goes back to the fact that there's not a lot of practitioners teaching how to do both. There's not a lot of, it's such a new concept. It's not a traditional eating disorder. It's not even traditional disordered eating. Traditional disordered eating, I would sort of categorize as someone who is constantly dieting, constantly under eating, tracking their food, very focused on calories in, calories out, or macros, you know, ever over consumed and ever consumed with what they're eating, what they're not eating, and really, you know, striving more for that weight loss through control and restriction. Um, this new form of disordered eating is coming more from healing diets. And the, Absolutely. And the problem is, 
I don't think practitioners can get ahead of it before, before it triggers an, a problem. And being the fact that it's a healing diet, that it's using, using the word healing, there's such a disconnect for people then to acknowledge that there's a problem there because they feel that they're doing something so important and so right for their body. But there's just no kind of regulation, no support around this, even from functional nutritional doc, like practitioners I'm speaking to more, not like what Michelle and I do, more like doctors who are still in sort of that office environment. So can can you speak yes. to that a little bit? Because that's I, sort of I'm what originated to. this conversation 100%. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, well, let's take the example of my client I mentioned before is throwing up five times a day. Okay. Let's say I got her, got back to a perfect place where she's been suffering for, and the, you know, I have these real time examples. I'm thinking of like five clients when I'm talking about this, but let's say we'll take, you know, client A, we'll call her, you know, client A has been to, you know, like I said, doctors for 10, 20 years trying to figure this out. She finally figures it out. Who would be most at risk of being afraid of foods more than her? No one, because she is petrified to eat foods that are not healing in her head for her. So it takes an extremely gentle approach um, to functional nutrition to be able to just guide people towards the choices that they need without feeling really restricted and really scared. Um, these are people who, again, like, can you imagine if you're trying to work a job and you have to leave your office? You have like, you're, uh, my clients are all like executives. You're an executive level position. You need to leave a conference room to go throw up in the middle of the day. And you have no idea. And you're eating healthy. You're eating salads you're, or, you know, I'm putting healthy in quotes, but you're eating quote unquote healthy. And you have no idea what's causing kind of that issue. It's, it's, and then that, that kind of issue goes away and your life gets this color and beauty to it that you haven't experienced for so long. Of course, client A is going to be petrified to eat those foods again. That's where practitioners like you and I really need to come in handy because that's where we need to say, hey, we're going to try a really small amount of this food. This food is not bad for you. It's never been bad for you, but your body was getting the signal it was bad for you. Guess what? We fixed that signal. Your body's not scared anymore of that food. It's not getting that signal anymore. It's time to start to reintroduce that. So here's the issue. When people go to functional doctors, they're handed a diet oftentimes. Doctors do not have time to coach patients generally. They might have a health coach in office, which is fantastic and tremendously helpful. Um, I think even functional doctors um, look at weight as a symptom of something that's going on, which is better than looking at it as a diagnosis in and of itself, because it is a symptom, not a diagnosis. And we can talk about how obesity is not a diagnosis, but a symptom um, of something that's going on, which is great. But I, I do think that even functional medicine doctors um, who are even more understanding of the body as a whole, in my opinion, um, they are not tremendously weight inclusive and really not understanding of the fact that if someone is already vulnerable and scared and they look at a piece of paper that has good food, bad food on it, they're going to be very scared of the bad foods. And that, those kind of thoughts can, you can carry with you your entire life. So it takes a very, very specific and gentle approach to be able to tell someone's not only body, but their brain subconsciously, listen, this is short term. These foods are not legitimately scary or bad. It's just right now they aren't serving you. They're just not serving you right now but they might in the future. And we need to kind of, you know, sort through that together, food by food, minute by minute, feeling by feeling, accepting, and, you know, really just rolling with the individual, how they're feeling. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with so many clients who are the exact person that we're talking about, who have had multiple health issues and been put on very restrictive diets and have developed a level of disordered eating and a lot of food fears. And not only have I worked with a lot of people who've dealt with that, I personally have gone through that too. And I have a pretty interesting journey and a lot of my listeners know this, but I come from classic disordered eating. And then I went into a different level of disordered eating after trying to work through just crazy gut issues and bloating and ultimately what ended up being a Lyme diagnosis. Everyone knows this. <laughs> Don't worry, all listeners are like, Don't tell us again. But um, no, they want to hear it. They want to play it helpful. But basically, um, what it did for me is that it prevented me from truly healing. Like it prevented me from getting to a place where I could create a healthy relationship with food because I went from one disordered relationship with food to another. And ultimately what helped me heal was creating a a balance with it. So just like the full conversation that we're having here, I took elements of food that I understood, like knowledge for me was really important. And that's such a crux of the work that I do with my clients. If I'm going to give you a recommendation, I'm going to tell you why that's going to help you. I'm going to explain the science. I'm going to explain the background. I'm going to explain why for you individually, it's going to be helpful. I want people to fully understand why, because for me in the past, it was so black and white. It was like calories in, calories out, you know, just a very classical diet approach. (laughs) And, um, what actually was a big part in helping me heal was the knowledge and truly using my knowledge of food and knowledge of nutrition and my understanding of it and the science behind it. I used part of that. And then I also brought in my mindset. So I created a balance and an integration between the two. And I just think that that is what will help you work through fear is taking the things that make sense to you, the thing, the knowledge that you understand, taking bits and pieces of it, using it. So say you were on an autoimmune diet and you are, you know, are told don't eat nightshades, don't eat gluten, don't eat dairy, you know, all nuts and seeds. It's a very restrictive approach for a lot of people. It's meant to be very short term, which is another conversation we can get into that it's meant to be short term. And then you're meant to reintroduce in a very specific manner that also, that often gets left out, um, when people speak to it and when people fall through with it as well. Um, but for example, you can try that and you can find, you know, maybe what works for you and you can take bits and pieces of that. So maybe, you know, you do well with nightshades, but you don't do well with nuts and seeds or eggs or dairy, whatever, you know, it could be different for everyone. So you take bits and pieces of what worked for you and then you use your mindset to work through the rest of it. So that's what helps you work through the fear and work through the barriers. And that's why working with, working with someone that understands this to their core is so important because if you work with someone who doesn't understand that it can lead to an element of disorder and that you may develop food fears, there's going to be a huge disconnect between them being able to support you. You need to have someone that really understands like what the point that it can get to and how much you really need your hand held to walk through that fear and really fear with anything like is confronting it. It's challenging it. The only way out is through. It's Mm -hmm. making, yeah, exactly. It's making peace with it. And so basically all that is to say like you have, you, you know, this is our whole conversation. It's including both food 
and the parts that make sense to you and the parts that work for you and make like utilizing the mindset that choosing to do that is a form. I always say a form of self-respect and self-love, not punishment. And, and then of course your mindset as a whole, working through fear, working through anxiety, just continuing to create a better relationship with your body, all of that stuff. There's so many things that you just said that I'm literally making like mental notes of as you're talking. Cause I'm like point one, point two, yes, yes. And yes. You said something really impactful that I'm, I'm not arguing with. I'm adding to, um, that knowledge really empowered you. So here's the interesting thing. If you're not ready to receive information, knowledge can debilitate you. So I always use this phrase, knowledge isn't power, intuition is, right? So here's the problem. If you walked in with a, exactly what happened with you, you walked in with disordered eating and you left with orthorexia in, the, in these situations, right? So it's like you walked in with one problem and then it manifested as something else. But at the same time, the information did help you. It's really the presentation of the information that's the most important because if your body feels like at, you know, everything is a threat to make you gain weight and everything's going to make your stomach sick. It doesn't matter how much information you're given because you're scared. And if you're scared, you're not going to be able to understand and perceive the information. So it sounds like in your journey, there was a point where you were ready to utilize real nutrition information in a way that was powerfully healing. But if someone walks into one of our offices and is, you know, or virtually, you know, pops into one of our offices and is in a state of disordered eating, I'm not giving them any therapeutic diet. I mean, it's like, you have to be as a practitioner, so that's really the magic of it, is so sensitive to understanding, you know, exactly how these people are going to interpret your information. So I know, and, and I was telling this example to Chelsea before, to you before, um, sometimes I talk, you know, third person, sometimes I don't, um, <laughs> is I have several clients um, who have worked with me weekly for a year before I let them go on a therapeutic diet. They might be, you know, 300 plus pounds. I have a bunch of clients who are in larger bodies. My favorite, honestly, clients to work with are those in larger bodies because I just get it. And I just, um, there's part of that bonding experience that I really understand and the treatment um, that I really, really understand. I just like people who've been through anything. That's just my type of people in general. And I'm not associating that everyone in a larger body has been through the same experience, but maybe some of the same experiences um, that I've seen. And I don't care if someone comes in and they're 700 pounds. If they are not mentally ready and they're exhibiting sides of disorder eating, I'm not giving them a therapeutic diet. Um, to me, the mental part of it is equally as important as the physical healing part of it. And if your brain is going to perceive information as a threat, I'm not going to give you information. I'm going to sort through why your body feels like it's at, a, at war. And basically what we were talking about too, is just trying to reduce that hostility. I had this other thing I was thinking about too, where, you know, I came, I went into becoming a dietitian, which is a five-year program fully with the intention with my disordered eating to learn the secrets of weight loss. I mean, that is exactly why I became a dietitian. There is, let's make, you know, let's pull no punches. Like that is directly why I became a dietitian. I will say many of my classmates ended up in eating disorder facilities after. So I think a lot of us had the same intentions. Now we were learning information that was supposed to be information to reduce our disordered eating behaviors for sure, because it's healthy nutrition. Definitely when I went to school, you know, starting 10 years ago, um, a little actually even more than that, 
definitely, um, 11 years ago. Wow. It's a long time ago. Um, definitely even then it was a little bit more hospital centric, um, the education too. So definitely more in the conventional model, um, of food, not a functional model of food, but that kind of model would definitely lend to, you know, an all foods fit kind of idea. And, and maybe some part of it was calorie counting and meal planning and things like that, but it did not, the information for me at the time did not prevent me from having disordered eating and it certainly didn't heal me. There are other people who it did. And again, it's, it's how we receive the information and the power of the practitioners to be able to say, when you come into one of our offices, where are you at? That's what we want to really hear and listen for. Is this person ready to receive information? Is this information going to kill them or is this going to save them? And if they're not ready to hear it and there's an even 1% chance it's going to kill them or a 1% chance going to harm them, we're not giving it. That's just how it is. That's our ethical standard is we will not give people information that can cause them to have disordered eating if we do not perceive that they're ready to receive it. And our job is find out if they're ready to receive it or not and then give them either no information and just listen and just guide or give them information that might really heal them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think every single person on this planet is so different. Everyone has a different history with their relationship with food. Some people have never dieted. Some people have only ever dieted for four decades. So some people have health issues. So then it does tie in that need or desire to manage symptoms or to heal what's at imbalance. And some people feel perfectly happy. They just have the disordered relationship with food. And so it's, it's so hard <laughs> for people to, to do the work, to truly like work on an individual basis, but it's so important. Like, that's why I love working with people one-on-one. Like, I know it's maybe not, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like it's the best way that I can serve others and help facilitate transformation. But what that takes is a, is a lot of time together. It's consistency. It's listening. I love that you say that that's like your superpower is listening. And it really, it takes that. And it takes a practitioner who's going to have a level of intuition to know like when would be the right time to recommend or not recommend something. And what I do like with most of my clients for the majority of our time together is, has nothing to do with food at all. Yeah. I I hate talking about food, by the way. It's like, (laughs) notice in this podcast, even like we barely have mentioned like actual foods. Yeah. It's like the most boring part of my job is talking about actual food, how we feel around food and our experience with food and our experience with our bodies. That's where you and I get really excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about like the weight topic in particular and like how you really do approach working with someone who desires weight loss, but also wants to love their body? Love that question. Yeah. So again, I'm of the firmest belief that you can lose weight um, and love your body, but you probably can't do losing weight first. Um, You probably have to love, you definitely have to learn to love your body and, and understand and change your thought patterns before I basically grant the, the green light uh, to go ahead and start making healthful choices that might lead to weight loss. So it's a process and a very specific one that I go through where I help people to what I always keep using this phrase now is just really reduce the hostility and the urgency um, immediately to feel like you have to lose weight. But that doesn't take away from the fact that the want or need is still there. 
So I reduce the hostility enough where existing is great and okay in that body. And then if you should elect to lose weight for the right reasons, which is, you know, out of self-love and out of wishing for maybe some sort of health outcome, um, not always for a health outcome or any other reason that isn't out of kind of self-sacrifice punishment and, and torture, um, there is a right way to do it. And it has to be that point where people are self-respecting enough. So I use this term, not body positivity. I use this term body neutrality. And that's really about, again, just achieving a space of when you're able to clear enough negative thoughts where you can use information as information. And, and this is how I kind of talk about the scale too. Like, you know, when we, when you get on the scale and you have disordered eating and you, or just any sort of body image issue and you get on the scale and you the way I describe it is you literally see your life flashing before your eyes. Like you're literally like every donut I ate in my entire life, every bikini I won't wear, like every timeline of your life, it flashes before your eyes. So if you're not able to look at the scale and kind of like just take data from it, don't look at the scale. If you're not able to look at a meal plan without freaking out and feeling internal turmoil, don't look at a meal plan. So I think the point is getting people to the point of reducing the hostility enough before introducing some sort of therapeutic, I wouldn't even say diet, some therapeutic food recommendations. Um, is, is really the secret sauce there. And I think it's absolutely possible. I don't think I've seen it happen um, with so many clients of mine. What I will say is the beginning part of the journey where it's really that active, really honest conversation, loads of crying, loads of unwinding ideas about how your body is and what your body should be um, during that time, that's usually longer than clients anticipate. So I do definitely force clients to push off weight loss a little bit, but I don't say weight loss isn't important and you're healthy now. You're not going to be more healthy if you lose weight or change your food choices. Um, I'm just saying, can we make this tolerable for you right now so that we can make clear-headed decisions about your body? Um, because a lot of the time we are making very negative, motivated decisions of I just can't literally be inside of my skin anymore. And that's how a lot of people feel. And the ultimate metabolic damage from doing that and from a weight loss journey led with that ideology is so long-term damaging that it's so not worth it. And that's really what, you know, Chelsea and I, we both want to do is just reduce at least the lead time and the urgency in the beginning so that you can engage in a journey. And when you're at that point, like weight loss becomes like not hard, honestly. Um, it, it's the hostility part that makes the weight loss actually impossible. But when you do get to that point, weight loss is like a breeze. And I, I do have one specific client that I'm thinking of where she was working with me for, you know, one and a half or two years. And I didn't mention, a and she, you know, was in a larger body. She did eagerly want to lose weight. I didn't mention a therapeutic diet for two years. And then I was like, two years in, I was like, all right, you're good. You want to do a keto diet? She's like, okay. She's lost like a tremendous amount of weight in an extremely mentally stable way. Um, I call her my Yoda now because she's like her consciousness is so high and she treats her body with the utmost respect. But I can literally watch her carbohydrate metabolism and how it operates and her tolerance. And I can see that this was for her body, the exact thing she needed right now. And I'm not recommending keto diet for everyone. Again, it took me two years to recommend this to her. So I'm not recommending this off the cuff to anyone. For another woman, I definitely wouldn't recommend it. For her, I just saw the need and it was seamless when her body and mind were ready for it. 
Mm -hmm. I think people need to hear again that it took you two years to get to that recommendation and that that's not a recommendation that you would make for many other people. I think Um, she's the only woman I've ever made that recommendation for, by the way. (laughs) I, I wouldn't, I really don't recommend, you know, please don't take that as the takeaway from the story and take the two years away from the takeaway from the story that when the time is right for you and there is a right time to lose weight, um, it will not feel urgent and it'll be almost so silly at that point that it ever felt urgent. That's what's, that's the funny part where it's like, yeah, I was like whatever amount of weight. And I'm like, do you care? Like I always say to my clients who were begging me for weight loss in the beginning, I'm like, do you care that you lost X amount of weight? And they're like, kind of, but like, I don't know, I'm doing these other things. Do you want to hear about the other stuff that I'm doing? Where that's the, that's when I know when someone isn't really craving it so much, because I know that then it's not them trying to fill their life up. It's just something they're trying to change. It's not something that's trying to change their whole world and fill their spirit and their ego up. It's just something they want to change. Yeah. I love that. It's like, you're ready when everything else becomes so much more important than weight loss. You're ready because then you can make that decision and come from a place of self-love and self-respect and you can do it sustainably. You can do it intuitively. You can acknowledge when maybe you need to take a step back and revert back to just simply focusing on mindset and self-love and taking care of your body when certain approaches like don't fit for you. Like that's when you're ready. But the important thing to remember is like most people aren't ready. (laughs) Like most of you listening who may be like reaching for the weight loss information that Michelle just shared of like, Oh wait, maybe I could do that. Keto. keto. You're probably not ready. You know, I think that we want to be ready sooner than we are. But what I always share with people is that right now, you know, if I'm talking to them in a session, like right now we're focused on creating permanent change. We're focused on creating a strong, positive, joyful quality of life. We're focusing on how you want to feel like, and I don't mean just physically, I mean energetically, like how you want to feel. Do you want to feel bright? Do you want to feel, you know, light? And I mean light as far as like not having a lot that you're caring emotionally, like how do you want your relationships to be? How do you want connection to be? What do you want to spend your time doing? Like, that's like, that's the driving factor. And that's the why that's the permanent change. If you go and you do a quick fix, like, yeah, you may see results quickly. You'll see results quicker than you will with us for sure. But I think what everyone understands who's been there before is like, that won't work. Like it'll work until it doesn't work. And you'll, you'll probably gain more disordered tendencies because of the things that you had to go through, right? Kind of like your journey and definitely mine. And you'll, you know, you'll ultimately like probably gain the weight back and, or you'll just live in more of a disordered state and now have maybe more health issues or other things fall apart or other imbalances, hormonal issues. There's so many different things that can come. Um, from, you know, attempting to do quick fix weight loss. And so it's just so important to understand the facts and understand like what's going on beneath like your desires, you know, your desires. And it's hard to sort that out yourself too. And I think to add on to what you're saying too, what you beautifully stated is, um, you know, I actually lost my train. (laughs) Pause, like make it pause. Um, I think that 
there's literally the problem is every time you talk, there's so many things that I'm like, yes, yes, well, I yes, feel yes, like yes, that yes. too. Okay. Well, one thing, maybe you'll think another thing that I was going to say Tell me. when you were talking is that you use the word like negative motivation, I think, which is something that I talk about all the time, positive motivation versus negative. Motivation. I probably stole it from you. Oh, maybe there's also, I'm like, I coined this. I'm like, didn't I? Like when I talk about restriction and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I was one of the only people that I saw talking about the different types of restriction as far as things that trigger binging being physical, emotional, and mental. And now I see everyone talking about it. I'm like, did they get that from me or did I get that from someone else? I mean, I'm just going to say that you invented it, even though I don't know, but like, I believe it. You are the creator of this and I am now giving you licensing rights to this. So congratulations. I, I agree. I do think you have obviously many, many innovative thoughts and which is why, again, I'm a fangirl. And I think, um, what you were saying and I, okay, now I remember, here okay. we go. Come on, Shapiro. <laughs> here we go. Um, when you're talking about, um, you know, short-term diets and you're talking about, listen, they are successful. We, well, let's not, let's not ignore the fact that the exact thing in that moment that you are hunting for, you get from a short-term diet. Okay. There's loads of allure to that. Now, our question to you would be, what are you sacrificing? What's the potential sacrifice of those short-term diets? Now, again, I don't like when people say diets don't work because they do work. They do work to make you lose weight in the short term. And for some people, honestly, they might make you lose weight in the long term. What is the potential sacrifice to your mental state? What is the potential sacrifice to your life that you take? And really what we want to do is educate people on the risks. There's risks of anything that you do. And what we want to do together in every client session we have, both of us, is mitigate the risks of all of this. Mitigate the risk of losing weight in a way that might damage your self-worth, that might damage your physical self. And I always talk about this example because it blows my freaking mind. And I can't believe the stupid show is still on television, but The Biggest Loser. It came oh, back. Can I talk about this for a second? Have I know. I saw, an okay. I saw an episode to literally torture myself and I was screaming at the television. So first of all, part of my weight loss journey was I watched The Biggest Loser when I was younger. I was obsessed with Bob Harper, hated Jillian. I lived for Bob Harper though. But you know, a lot of stuff came out about the show about the abuse of the contestants and forcing them to take appetites and appetite suppressants, drugs, you know, all these things. It's insane what they've done to these people and it breaks my freaking heart. But they did this amazing, incredible study with four, they followed 14 of them and 13 out of, after 10 years, 13 out of 14 gained the weight back. And I think a lot of people, when they kind of hear that are like, well, of course they gained the weight back. They got back from the ranch and they started eating everything. So of course, that wasn't what happened at all. Those people, this study blew my, you're, you're yeah. nodding, this blew my freaking mind. But when they got home, these people were under eating, over exercising hours a day, and their metabolisms were so trashed from the restrictive weight loss that they did that was televised by like the top medical professionals in the country um, that they were, are now unable to keep the weight off. So what is the risk? Now, what it took for me and what the risk was when I lost the weight was all of my physical health, most of my mental health. You know, really, it, it took mostly everything from me, my disordered habits. My skin was also like literally the color yellow. My hair was falling out in chunks and I love my hair. And that was like a big thing for me. But, you know, and just a tangible thing. But it took almost everything from me. But I also do want to acknowledge in a smart way, listen, I would not have had the same friends in college. And I, I love my friends if you're listening, 
I just don't think it would have happened. I don't think people would have interacted with me the same way, understood me the same way. I would not have had the boyfriends that I had. Maybe that's a good thing. Some of them were terrible in college, but I would not have had the same experiences in life. So to say to someone who's in a larger body also, you know, I hate this phrase, just love yourself. It's so egregious to not understand the implications of being in a larger body and how much society deprives you of when you're in a larger body. So that's what makes our work even harder for me to tell someone who's in a larger body. I'm like, I know you've been marginalized. I know you've been marginalized, but I still don't want you to lose weight just yet because you've been marginalized. I don't want you to lose weight just yet. That's the hard part is I know how freaking hard it is societally to get a job, to get a whatever, you know, whoever you're dating, you know, and it's better now, thank goodness. But to have that radical self-acceptance before you approach a weight loss journey and you can carry the radical self-acceptance with you the entire journey, but you got to get it first. And I know it's hard. Trust me. I was in a marginalized body, you know, larger body for a lot of my life. And, and for people, especially who are different races, different income classes, like the marginalization knows no end, especially for women in this country. So, you know, to sit across from someone and say, you can't lose weight, even though I know it's holding you back from society's standards. Trust me, I take that responsibility very seriously. And I wouldn't take it so seriously if I didn't know the risks of quick weight loss. I think there's so many risks. Mm -hmm. Another thing I think important to acknowledge is that there was likely something going on that contributed to someone's weight gain, right? You know, like deeper emotional imbalances or family history or just, again, a lack of self-worth, even in a smaller body previously, trauma, there's illness, injury, there's so many different things. And so part of the putting the pause on just going for the weight loss is like, we have to look at the things that got you here. And that could be, that doesn't need to necessarily be exclusively to someone that's in a bigger body, could be in someone at any size there's something that got you there, you know? And so you need to work through that to be able to really reap the benefits of truly like, you know, if you do desire to lose weight, like truly getting to that place and having it be positive. Because if you don't do any of the self-work or address the deeper imbalances beforehand, you're going to lose the weight. And like, you're still going to probably feel a lot of the things that you were feeling previously, even though yes, society may accept you more. You may, you know, get more dates or friends or stuff like that, which I'm hearing you. And I agree. I think it's difficult, you know, to have this conversation because there's so many different elements. There's so many different things to cover. There's so many different ways of looking at it based on what you've been through, based on your, like your way. I mean, the person listening, it's like, you have just such a different perspective of this and you're going to have things that you want to challenge on these conversations and things that you agree on and things that you don't agree on, um, based on what you've been through. But I think the overarching understanding is that like, you have to do the deeper work beforehand, or at least in addition to, I would argue beforehand. Um, just to make sure you cover all your bases and truly to be able to get to a place that is what you're envisioning. Because for a lot of people, they envision that losing weight will just equate to all of these things that don't feel good. They'll get all the things that they want in their life. And it's not true, you know? So it's- and Which is kind of heartbreaking, by the yeah. way. 
you know, yeah. like that's a heartbreaking realization. It was for me. I was like, Oh, yeah. I thought there would be like gold at the end of the rainbow. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, wait, I've been my, so much of my life has been negatively impacted by my weight. But even when I got here, yeah, I had more, whatever I had, I had a lot of friends at home too, but I had more of whatever male interest friends or anything like that. But the other issues were beyond not solved. They actually came to the surface more because my big issue was gone. And then all the little issues come up and you're like, Oh, what was hiding underneath there? There's other stuff I care about. Wow. Okay. That is such a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because I have clients who aren't even, they, they aren't in necessarily a bigger body. They may desire weight loss. They may be at a range of different sizes, but they are so preoccupied with their identity being someone who struggles with their relationship with food or struggles with their weight or, you know, whatever kind of emotional eating, binge eating, exercise addiction, all different kinds of things. And when we work through that, like this whole big distraction like is no longer there. And that's when then you actually have the room and space, although it feels scary now that you have the room and space to actually do that deeper work. So often too, the weight can be just this big distraction. Um, and if you think about too, like having weight almost as protection to like not want to go there and dig deeper because it's like, this is my issue. This is the thing I need to work on. This is the thing that's out of balance. So when you have someone sitting in front of you, like a coach or a practitioner or a dietitian telling you, that's not like, I see you, I'm not judging you. And I don't think that that is something that's wrong with you. You can still actually choose to love yourself, to accept your body, to like have other goals in life, to still make your life move forward before you just lose weight, where society would be like, no, you have to lose weight. Or even doctors may say, you have to lose weight before you could have any other sort of abundance or love or goodness in your life. And so it's so important to know, like, no matter what size you are, like you're seen and heard and it's not a problem. Like there's other stuff that can be addressed that can bring you where you think the weight loss may take you. And Yes. And that seen and heard part is so important because like you said, when you're going to doctor's offices, more likely than not, you're not going to be seen and heard, especially when it comes to your weight. Of course, the body positivity movement grew out of the fact that women were being consistently disregarded in doctor's offices because of their weight, because they'd be going to the doctor for, you know, let's say depression or let's say an ear infection. And the doctor would say, well, just lose some weight. Then you won't have this problem. It is our, in society, cure all. Um, and then again, it, it kind of takes this place where I think a lot of people who are occupying larger bodies or even someone maybe who's, you know, I don't know, 20 pounds over what they were when they were younger or something like that. Let's say maybe they're 50 pounds over what they were when they were younger, but they feel more comfortable in their other body. Um, it, it feels like that weight loss is so negative and such a bad thing to do to your body that you then have another layer of shame and guilt. Like, why don't I just love myself enough to not want to lose weight? And it's like, that is the thing that I really want to correct here. It's like, first of all, wherever you're at, thank you for surviving. Like, I don't care who you are. Thank you for surviving on this plane. It's freaking hard out here. I'm proud of you. Chelsea's proud of you for surviving up until this point. You made it to here right now in this moment, which also tells us that it's, there's some part of you in ways of either wanting to lose weight and do it the right way, or wanting to change your relationship with food, you do see there's hope and there is a middle ground, which is really freaking exciting. And I'm, we're so happy to tell you that there is, and that it is absolutely 100% okay to want to lose weight throughout all of the journey. 
all we want to do is find out why. And if the reason why isn't because you want your life to be full of joy and connectivity and beauty, maybe we want to dig deeper into it. But that doesn't mean weight loss is bad. It doesn't mean you wouldn't lose weight working with either of us. It just means that we are going to restrict your immediacy in losing it until we feel that you are doing it for your own betterment. Because our goal is for you to feel the most seen and heard, like the feeling that both of us experience and why I'm obsessed with Chelsea is because people leave our offices and they're like, shit, was anyone listening to me my whole life? Oh, sorry. Sorry. You know. Okay. <laughs> was anyone listening to me my whole life? Like, I just said who I was for the first time. Like, we just want to be that platform for you to be able to tell us your desire. So if you want to lose weight, don't be shy to tell a practitioner. Ask them what their stance is on this. You know, if there's someone who says, listen, I don't do any weight loss. I hate working with weight loss. I think it's the worst thing in the world. Might not be for you. Or if you go to someone who says, here's a 500 calorie day diet, also might not be someone for you. You know, you want to go to someone who has really no approach. Like Chelsea and I, we have no approach except for your whatever you need. It's an individual approach. And we are hearing and picking up cues. We're both healers and very intuitive people in our own way. And the entire time you're talking, we're drawing puzzles in our head. And we're like, okay, this means this. We got this. We understand what this person. And, and really, we're just putting the pieces together to assess your readiness, to assess your self-acceptance. Um, and, and we will always be as ethical as we can to not release information that might harm you. Mm-hmm. And I think to not pushing someone to accept themselves before they're ready. The thing that I always say, um, I wrote about this on my Instagram recently, the quote that the goal is not to love your body, it's to love yourself. And I think that gave people oh, that. a big sigh of relief. It's a conversation like I've tried to have a lot and I have all the time in my client sessions is like, the goal is not necessarily for you to like get to this point where you're like, I love my body and you're posting pictures in your bikinis on the beach and you're looking in the mirror every day and you're thinking you're flawless and perfect and hot. It's, that's not the goal. That may never be the place that you get. That's not really the place that I'm at. For me, body love means that I have stopped the fight. I've stopped the punishment kind of touching back on what I was touching on from what you said earlier, which was the negative motivation. (laughs) I used to make decisions and choices around food and for my body out of a place of self-loathing, self-hate, punishment, restriction, deprivation, comparison, all of those negative factors. Now I make decisions around food and my body out of a place of love and respect. And that is only because I got to a place where I love who I am. I didn't start by loving my body. I started by working on why am I the way I am? And can I stop being ashamed of that? Can I stop being guilty? Can I accept my flaws and my, you know, that I'm sensitive, that I'm vulnerable, that I'm emotional. Like these are all parts of me and that's okay. And when you let your guard down about like this fight to like be someone and fit in and be all these things that you think you should be and want to be to be accepted that then lends itself to a healthy relationship with food and a healthy relationship with your body because you're not trying to fill the void or fill a hole anymore. And so I just feel like that's so much easier for people to wrap their minds around is getting to a place of like working on yourself. What makes you happy? What makes you laugh? Who do you like spending time with? What do you want to do more of? Like, let's work through that. Let's work through these deeper things that like are just going to then effortlessly help you accept yourself, accept your body and just make peace with food, stop restricting, stop dieting, stop doing all this stuff. It's just like, that's 
that's the ticket. And so I just think that that's that is a sigh of relief for it. people. Like it's not you and I sitting in a session with someone and being like, okay, you need to love your body. Like it just <laughs> doesn't work. No, we're like both that. too like, we're too like sassy for something like that too. That's not the vibe. You're, you're so right. And there's like this, you know, the phrase, um, the opposite of hate is not love. It is indifference. That's mm. kind of how I think about all of this. Yeah. Like I don't, I love indifference and neutrality because that's where data lives that's where honesty lives that's where you live right is, is when you can remove your own really your own ego and your own pain and trauma from a conversation so you can see things the way they are because I think when we remove all of that every single person will realize that they are at the bare minimum worthy of eating and worthy of living and worthy of happiness and every single person is but when you get them to that point the real magic and spirit of what we see and, and I know Chelsea sees this too like I have clients who like before they're even losing weight they're like getting new jobs and promotions they're like this weird thing happened when I was coaching with you and like I just you know you're gaining confidence in all areas of your life and the, the real thing that I always say and Chelsea I know you're exactly the same way is we love to talk about this stuff so that we never have to talk about this stuff again we want to talk about your weight and we want to talk about food so that one day you'll forget you ever spoke about it because it'll be such a small part of your life where you know I, I have clients and I'm doing a tunnel vision thing with my eyes right now but like since they're in tunnel vision about their weight, I join them in the tunnel vision and we can explore and go as deep as we want. And once you go deep enough and you release, then you start to realize it was about everything else around and they can start to focus on that too. So the goal is we might talk about this stuff with you. We never put ideas in your head. So we'd never say you should love yourself. There's no shoulding in either of our offices. Um, it's where are you at? It's questions. It's compassion. It's never telling you where you are but really trying to learn and understand where you are. And then only then can we see where we're going. Mm -hmm. Love it. Okay. So last final thoughts, kind of on the, con we got it, of course, on so many different tangents. I think it's good. It's just conversational. Um, is there anything you want to leave people with in speaking to navigating, you know, being in a doctor's office and maybe being given a you know recommendation or a list of what foods to eat or whether they are someone who's more approaching a healing diet or someone maybe who has other health issues but is in a bigger body and they're giving them something for weight loss and how to just kind of like some maybe guidance on how to navigate that from like being your own advocate. Love that. Yeah, definitely. So I think the best case scenario would be to work with weight inclusive practitioners. Um, there's no label for them. Um, I think a good, easy kind of way to know is you can ask uh, before you even go to the session, will it be required for me to be weighed in this session? And kind of you can gauge what the session might be like from that. So I would ask some questions. Um, I would also inform as you're walking into the session. And I know people sometimes actually bring little note cards with them too, saying like, I do not need to be weighed on my medical record. Thank you. I think you should establish yourself um, and you might seem a little boorish and I really don't care. Um, establish yourself and what you're comfortable with and your boundaries when you first walk in the room. If you're going to a doctor and it's not related to weight, um, you can say, I, and you don't need a specific, there's very few instances where you really need a weight in a doctor's office. I mean, unless it's like medication specific dosages, um, I don't I, I like, or they're looking for cachexia. Like there's not really that many instances where your weight is super relevant um, in kind of a conventional doctor's overall assessment besides to say that you're fat and need to lose weight. 
um, triggering word, I know, but that's the reality of what happens in offices. Um, so I would say arm yourself with boundaries before you go in. And I, I just do this thing also where I just put my arms on my shoulders, cr crisscross, and I just rub my shoulders. I just say, I am safe before you walk in because I need you to understand, you know, if you're listening to this, when you walk into a doctor's office and he starts commenting on your weight, that's a traumatization. That is not something to be taken lightly. Again, most of us value our weights as our worth um, before we get help for this stuff. Um, and since we're doing that, if you walk into a doctor's office and he says your weight is high, what you really hear, because again, you're not neutral, is I'm, my, I'm bad, right? Like your weight is high, your worth is low. That feels terrible. So in a doctor's office, if you're getting that anxiety too, you can just cut the kind of two ways to defend yourself is cut the interactions as much as you can with those people, protect yourself with boundaries, A, and then B would be protect yourself internally from the inside out by making yourself feel safe. Again, just understanding this is, could be traumatizing. I still hate going to doctor's offices. I really don't like working with personal trainers, even if they're, unless they're my friends, because I cannot have a comment about my body, get on the in-body, yeah, right, get out of here, I'm not doing it. Um, just because even though I can handle it right now, I still try to limit the amount of exposure to negativity that I can possibly do. And then I would just say, have, you know, maybe even a really safe friend who you really appreciate to just be able to talk to right after and just really vent out those kind of feelings of trauma so that you're not feeling that fight, flight, or freeze kind of feeling after. Um, protect yourself internally by feeling safe. Protect yourself externally by setting boundaries um, in those offices. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. And just remember too, like it's you, it's your body. Like ultimately you have the you're in the driver's seat to like do what you want to do and not, not what you want to do. So just remember that too. Only, you're the only expert of your body. Yeah. You're thank the you. Only you said that a little bit body. more. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it's something I say all the time, but a doctor doesn't, a doctor from a one hour visit doesn't know your body that you've been living in your entire life. You are the only expert of your body. I am not the expert of your body. Chelsea is not the expert of your body. We listen to you you are the only one who knows your body and what you need. So also if you're feeling tremendous anxiety, like that's real, understand that there's a threat in front of you. It might be the doctor telling you to get on the scale. And that is like a real threat, respect and honor how you're feeling at all times. Mm -hmm. And I love that you say like, I am safe. I also love the mantra. I am whole. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I really do love that. Um, I will, can I say one funny thing? Yeah. Time? So I have been, dealing with the COVID crisis, if you're listening to this years later, um, and we're out of this, because we're all going to get out of this. I'm in New York, which is like the epicenter right now of everything going on. I have a lot of clients who um, are really afraid to go outside, but the CDC is recommending you can actually go outside safely as long as you, you know, protect yourself, social distance. So I have clients who generally I'm really sweet and gentle and I'm like, I am safe. And I give them, you know, ways to feel really safe inside of their bodies. But now I'm kind of taking a different approach because I want them to be fearless. So I'm like, you need to go out there and just be like, I'm a New Yorker baby and just take mm -hmm. a step outside. That's what we do. We, we walk around outside in the dirt all the time. So whatever the approach is, if you want to walk into the office also and be like, I'm a warrior because that sits more comfortably with you. For Chelsea, I am whole, which is like her spiritual, beautiful, interconnected self. That makes sense. Oh, I have a... I'm kind, I have a, that warrior side to me for sure. Exactly. You're like, oh, don't tell me. See, look, it just came out. Exactly. Yeah. My and husband, like, my husband could, uh, could argue that. Attest to that. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever feels you, you know, and in that moment yeah. where you're like, you know, I know me better than he does. See ya fool. You know, whatever that feels like, 
to make you feel you, I think in the moment's important too. Love that. Yes. Well, I think Michelle will probably come back and talk more. If you guys want to hear more about this, maybe you could ask um, specific questions that we could answer together. We also are interested in maybe talking more about eating disorder treatment um, specifically, like even versus disordered eating, more classical eating disorders in facilities and kind of our opinion on maybe how that's handled and just more of an open conversation around that as well, because Michelle has some firsthand experience, which would be great for us to cover. Um, so let us know if that's something you're interested in. But Michelle, tell us where we can find you and learn more from you too. Yay. Awesome. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for having me today, Chelsea. You're like amazing. And we literally could have done this for 20 hours. It's almost concerning how long we have done this for. <laughs> um, for, for the listeners. Um, thank you all for listening too. So you can find me on Instagram. It's super easy because I'm kind of the same across all boards. Michelle Shapiro RD.com. Um, my Instagram is Michelle Shapiro RD. You can even email me, Michelle Shapiro RD at gmail.com. RD like registered dietitian. Again, from the bottom of my heart, Chelsea, thank you. And for literally being on the same page about everything for the millions of hours that we could talk. It's my pleasure to join you on this amazing podcast and everyone subscribe and listen, wherever uh-huh. do the podcast stuff. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks, you guys, so much for listening. If you'd like to submit a question, you can email us at nutritionishpodcast at gmail.com or head on over to our website and click under the submit a question tab. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It means so much. And be be sure to subscribe so a new episode gets downloaded for you the second they're released. For more from me, Chelsea, head to nutritionwithchelsea.com and follow me over on Instagram at nutritionwithchelsea. Thanks again, Michelle. You're the best. Bye. You're the best.